This morning we're going to talk about the problem of lying. We've gone through this series. Um, there's a lot of confusion, and that makes lying difficult to recognize sometimes. And whenever we do recognize it, it certainly makes it difficult to address some of the problems that arise because of it. Uh, I like the story that, uh, that's told of a farmer who had six sons. And um, he gathered them all together and he said, Okay, which one of you boys pushed the outhouse into the creek? And they're all just standing there looking at him and no one would say anything. So the dad said, Well, you know, I want you to remember, too, the story of George Washington. You know, George did cut down that cherry tree. And yet he did come forward and admit that he cut it down. And his father was proud of him because of his honesty and he didn't lie about it. And so at that, the youngest of the six sons came forward and said, Dad, I pushed the outhouse into the creek. And the farmer went over, grabbed the switch, and promptly just began to discipline that little boy. And after he kind of whooped him soundly and the boy was crying, he said, but, but Dad, you told me that George Washington's dad was proud of him for telling the truth. He said, yeah, that's true. But George Washington wasn't sitting in the cherry tree when George cut it down. So, you know, there's some confusion, you know, it's kind of like, and, and what I have seen in, in experience is that just because we tell the truth, sometimes we believe we shouldn't experience any consequences because we've done it. See, truth and honesty has become such an exception that we think we're, we're being magnanimous by saying what the truth is. And it's like, now that I've told the truth, I shouldn't experience any consequences. Well, that's not true. <laughs> and, and so there's some confusion there, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about trying to identify it. And uh, oftentimes, too, you know, many of us don't even recognize when we do lie. I like the, another story about a little boy who, who starts screaming in his backyard, Mom, Mom, come quick, come quick, there's a bear in the yard. And, her mom, and, and his mom just dropped everything, ran outside, her heart's just racing, you know, 100 miles an hour. She gets outside and she said, Junior, that's not a bear, that's his Harold's dog. Because I want you to go into your room, I want you to get down on your knees, and I want you to ask God to forgive you for lying and scaring your mother so much. So the boy went into the house, he was in his room, a little while later, mom went up to see if he was doing okay, and she said, um, Junior, did you, did you ask God to forgive you? Junior looked at her and said, you know what, I did, mom, and he said it was okay, because the first time he saw Harold's dog, he thought it was a bear too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and some of us are like that, aren't we? It's like, we're, we're just caught, we're just caught flat out lying, but we have a great excuse for it. Oh, really? You didn't, it wasn't really a lie. It was, uh, you know, all kind of things. And we got all this great, you know, different terminology that we use now. But uh, what we're going to do as we go through this is today we're going to look at the causes of lying. Why do people lie? And the, the characteristics of it. How do we know when we are? And how can we recognize a lie when we hear one or when we tell one? And uh, we'll deal, deal simply with those two points. Then next week we'll deal with the consequences of lying and ask a, a very difficult but serious question, are there ever times when lying is okay? And talk about that. And also how do we can control lying in our life. So that's how we're going to break it up. And in this particular session we'll just deal with the causes and the characteristics. Now it's interesting to me that lying has become like so many other violations of God's standard. It's become so acceptable that we give it um, phraseology or wording that makes it more pleasing. You know, it's kind of like adultery isn't really adultery. It's having an affair. It's, it's fooling around. It's running around. It's whatever it is. And homosexuality is an alternative lifestyle. And so we come up with all these neat little things because it minimizes, the, you know, the extent of the problem. And lying is the same thing. How many of you, 
give me, give me some things that you know, some phrases, some words that we use in our culture instead of lying. We stretch the truth. We just stretch it. Just, you know, here's the truth. We stretch the truth. And then what it looks like afterwards is kind of like using Play-Doh, you know. It's like, here's what it started to look like, and now here's what it looks like, you know. What does it look like now? We stretch. What else do we do? We what? Oh, we tell white lies. No, they're little white lies. You know, teeny little white lies. But that's still too close because lying, the word's in there. So, you know, we stretch the truth. Little white lies. We tell half-truths. And we leave it up to the hearer to decide which half is true and which half isn't. You know, because we like choice in our culture. You choose. Is that true or is that true? Thank you. That's so nice. What else do we do? We embellish things. That's kind of like stretching the truth a little bit. We kind of, because, you know, life is so boring otherwise, isn't it? You stop thinking about it, you know, same thing, same one, ba-na, ba-na. Um, Although, that, was, that used to be a Wendy's commercial, huh? Hmm. Oh, well. Now, and, and you've got all this stuff going on. How about um, we shade the truth? Okay, not have a shade. Shade it a little bit. I like, I like here's, this, is, this is good. This was in yesterday's LA Times. The administration will stick with its original plan, despite vows made this week. The Clinton administration has decided not to propose any more spending cuts to counterbalance proposed tax increases in its economic plan, even though the president vowed earlier this week that more cuts were coming. Well, that was in the beginning of the week. We all have, you know, in the beginning of the week, you know, how it is Mondays, you say stuff, you don't really mean on Fridays. You know, it's like that. And I like that, and, you know, and it brings up the new uh, tax form that I saw. Did you see the new 1040 BS form? Did you see that one? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good one. I like that one. And I know no one said that, but, it, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we've heard that stuff before, haven't we? How about, you know, the old, oh, oh you know, you start shoveling. <laughs> you see somebody's telling a story, you're shoveling, you know what I mean? It's getting deep and you've got to put your feet up. You know, how many of you know people that are like that? <laughs> I, I like it, I like it, go, go, go. Oh, good, okay. Well, since this is something we can all identify with, this should be, this should be fun. And very painful, by the way, too. But what we're going to take a look at are the causes of lying. Why in the world do people lie? It's amazing to me. And you know what's really funny? Sometimes when we say this, it's kind of like, why would somebody lie about that? What are we saying? Well, I could see them lying about something big, but why would they lie about that? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you lie about that? You know, save them. Really. You know, if you save them for the big things... Then maybe they'd believe you. Oh, yeah, okay. There's some real good counsel there, huh? Uh, well, we'll talk about that. Is that really true? Grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3, because we have to start at some, at some beginning, or at least lay a foundation for why people lie. Why do people lie? I think that this will help us to discover what the problem, wherein the problem begins, and not necessarily the problem lies. <laughs> But, um, good. Now you guys are getting, you're on top of it here. Can you imagine? This is going to be so much fun to teach when y'all had an extra half an hour to sleep. This is going to be the greatest thing in the world. I'm looking forward to March 14th. This should be a wonderful experience for all of us. 
Okay, the cause of lying. Number one, actually that's Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Listen to this. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, Well, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you, shall, you surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, that you will know good from evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. The Bible teaches very clearly that the devil himself is a cause of lying. That from the very beginning in John 8.44, Jesus speaking to the religious leader said to them, he said, you know what, you're of your father the devil. And he's the father of all lies. And he was a liar and a murderer from the very beginning. And this is what he was referring back to. The very beginning of, of mankind, Satan was on the scene to influence, to tempt us, to lead us in a direction that would be wrong before God. Particularly in the area of lying. And so it's critical that we understand that the devil himself is a source or a cause of lying in some of our lives. Now, the question is, you know, the old Flip Wilson thing, did the devil, does the devil make us do it? Well, the good news is that he can't make us do anything, but he can influence us, he can strategize or a scheme, so to speak, to influence us and lead us astray into areas that are not pleasing to God. Not just in lying, but every area. And so we need to recognize the reality of what the Bible teaches and that there's a very real influence, a personality that's at work in our universe. And basically, it's the, it's the battle between good and evil. And all of mankind is trapped in the crossfire, so to speak, as to whether we'll do that which is right before God or that which is wrong before God. And we've got influences on both sides uh, trying to, to encourage us to do one thing or the other. And that's the battle that we find ourselves all in. And that's why the Bible clearly teaches that all of us are living in a battle. We're in a battle zone, every one of us. And we need to understand that so that we'll be better prepared and equipped to handle the conflict that's at hand. And that's what the Word of God is all about, to help us to recognize the strategy, the scheme of the devil, to help us to realize that from the very beginning, he has wanted mankind to lie, to, to deceive, to be dishonest, and to do all that which is contrary to what God has said. Now, we need to understand also that it's not within the, the scope or the characteristic or attributes of God to lead anybody to lie. See, God never leads anyone into temptation or do that which is evil, but always provides a way of escape. The Bible says with God it's impossible for God to lie, that God is not like man, that he should lie. It's absolutely contrary to the, to the character and the attribute of God to cause any of us to lie. So we need to realize that it's not coming from God, that it's coming from the enemy who is against God in every way. We need to understand that because therein lies the problem. Now, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, well, does he make us lie? Does Satan make us lie? Absolutely not. But he encourages us and influences us to do so, and we need to recognize that. So as we look at this and we go through this, there are some very specific reasons that we as human beings lie. And the first one that we'll see as we go through this is that there's a genuine lack of faithfulness on our part. Why do you and I lie? Because we're not faithful. The question is, not faithful to what? In Proverbs 14:5, it says, A faithful witness does not lie. But a false witness utters lies. In Exodus 20:16, the Ten Commandments says, "You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. You shall not bear false witness." 
that a faithful witness does not lie. So as we consider this, we need to understand a couple of things. Number one, why do you lie? Make it personal. Why do I lie? Well, the Bible says I lie because I'm not faithful to the truth. I don't tell it like it is. I shade the truth, I stretch the truth, I embellish the facts, I exaggerate, I tell little white lies, I do all these things. Why? Because I'm not faithful to the truth. See, we need to be objective reporters of the facts. How many of you, when you're telling a story, embellish it because it's otherwise boring? Or if it's not boring, it's otherwise not as incriminating against the person in which you're speaking, which we'll talk about as far as gossip's concerned. But oftentimes when we tell a story, we embellish that story, we build it up. Frankly, what we do is we lie, manipulate, and change the whole story around so it becomes more to the liking of the story and the direction that we want to lead somebody. Isn't that true? I mean, we're not faithful witnesses. We don't, don't tell it like it is. We have to embellish it. You know, it's like even look at the example in Genesis 3 of Satan in the garden. Well, what does Satan do? He, he, he distorted the truth about what God said. He said, number one, you're not going to die. That was a lie. We, we did as a result of that. We died spiritually because of what they did. Uh, that was a lie. But even Eve, in, his, in her conversation with the devil, said, you know what? Well, God said that I shouldn't touch it. Oh, he said I should eat from it, and I shouldn't even touch it. God didn't say that. He never said not to touch it. She added that to it. Because all he said was, don't eat from it or you'll die. Well, see, that wasn't, a, that, you know, that wasn't a good enough story. Man, you know what? He doesn't want us to have any fun. He even said, don't touch it. God didn't say that. So she changed the story around so that it was more incriminating against God. It's interesting to me that we lie according to the Bible because we're not committed to the truth. We know if we share the truth, the results may be different than what we'd like them to be. Having been involved in a service industry, how many, is there any auto mechanics out here? See, this is, you know, here, here's a great point as far as, you know, what happens is when you buy something and you have a warranty period, what happens like right before the warranty expires? Everything. Everything's happening here. I'm hearing stuff rattle, this, that, the other thing. There's all kind of stuff happening here. Why? Because you know in the back of your mind, hey, warranty's up. So what do you do? You got to get it in there. And what are you going to tell them when you get in there? Well, we got two choices. One, there's nothing wrong, but the warranty's up. Or, this stuff's been going on for a long time, I just haven't time to bring it in. I can hear this. Do you hear that? I don't hear it. Well, it's there. So let's go through and just check everything out. Make sure that it's working okay, because, hey, uh, I, I know something's wrong. Well, the only thing wrong is that you're lying. Now, see how easy it becomes? Or, or a, a patient and a doctor. Well, what's wrong? Give me the symptoms. Oh, oh, man, everything's wrong. Uh, can you narrow it down? Maybe that way I could treat you a little better. <laughs> well, I mean, this is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong. It's like everything's wrong. Really? What's wrong? Well, we exaggerate. We want sympathy. We want compassion. We want a certain response. And so to get that response, we're going to have to phrase our questions and our problems in a form that will generate the kind of response that we're looking for. And what God says is the reason that we do that is because we're not faithful to the facts. We're not objective observers who just lay out the facts. And, and, and we live in a society where we've got objective reporting. I don't think so. 
You can't listen to news. You can't read the paper without somebody's personal bias being slipped in there somewhere. When they, read, when they write the copy, when they read the copy, they shade it, they influence you in a certain way to give you, uh, uh, to generate the kind of response that they are looking for, that they have in their own life. So we live in this type of culture, and as a result, we begin to adopt it or assume that same way of doing things. So when we talk to one another, we start to do that type of thing. And it happens all the time. Why? Because we have our own agenda. And the only way we're going to accomplish what we're looking for is that we're going to have to distort the facts up front because if we tell the truth, then it's not going to end up the same we want it to. God says we lie because we lack the faithfulness to just tell the facts. It's interesting. If you look at uh, Proverbs 14:25 and 25:19, the same type of idea is conveyed. It says, "A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies." In Proverbs 25:19, we read, "Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint." I like that. Those are so visual, you, you know, you can't help but to understand. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. It's like as long as you're not eating, a bad tooth doesn't bother you for the most part. But when you need it, it hurts. Same with your foot. As long as you're sitting around not doing anything, it's not a problem until you need it and you have to do something with it. And God's saying, you know, an unfaithful man is like that. You know, until you need that person, you don't recognize how unfaithful they are. And uh, many times we're misled or deceived by people whose lies haven't demonstrated faithful and faithfulness and reliability over a long period of time. Think about how often we, we believe people that we meet and we don't know anything about them. They haven't been proven over a period of time. We don't know what's going on in their life. And they, and they live a lie and we're led in, into uh, all kind of problems because we believe what they say. God's saying that, you know, we need to be careful and discerning about the type of people that we put our confidence and trust in. Not that you can't make a mistake and not that you can't, you know, mess up. But there's a lot of importance in looking at a person's life on the timeline of history to see how they respond over a long period of time. And, so, you know, it ties right in with the evening services and that is, hey, you know, we need to learn to run the, the good run, you know, to fight the good fight, to run it with endurance over a long period of time. And the reality uh, and, the, and the test of our Christian faith is, hey, you know what? When we get to the end, can we say the same thing that Paul said? I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished the course. I know in my heart because of everything I've gone through is that I know that I'm going to be with the Lord when I die. And I know it because I've experienced that test of time. It's just not a flash in the pan, you know, just kind of here and there and here today, gone tomorrow. It's been over a long period of time. Faithfulness over a long period of time. Are you faithful to the truth? And has it been proven in your life over a long period of time? Let me give you an example from my own personal life. And it happened uh, about five years, six years ago. Uh, a company that I had, happened to be in charge of at the time was owned by Atlantic Richfield. And uh, when oil prices uh, took a d dive, I think it was like in 81, 82, whatever it was, um, they, they, they had these neat little phrases that they used, for, and, and this was a cute one. Um, they divested themselves of on, all non-petroleum-related businesses, which means that they just dumped every business that they had that wasn't involved with oil or gasoline, right? So the company that we were with was a non-petroleum-related business, and uh, so they were trying to unload it. And they were having a fire sale. So they would have people come in and they would go over the books and they'd show them the company and the people and what was going on and they would try to sell it. And, uh, man, you get some great deals. Hey, next time oil prices go down, just call Arco and they probably got like a, you know, a company out there they want to give you. But um, 
But, and it was going on like that. Well, anyway, what they were doing at this particular time was uh, to maintain the structure of the business so that there was something marketable, um, they had certain incentive programs for people such as myself. They, they had a deal that if you stayed through the consummation of a sale and through maybe a, a one-year contract em employment agreement or whatever it was, that they were going to pay me 25% of my base salary plus other incentives. And after, you know, after six, eight, nine months of trying to sell the business, it started racking it up. Well, anyway, they had a guy come in and, and he wanted to buy the business, didn't know anything about the business and our meetings that we held were, were um, very frustrating to say the least and there was no way in the world if this guy bought this company that I wanted to be a part of it. It was just going to be unbelievable. So when, when the guy came in, he sat at my desk and he said, um, where's the ashtray? And I said, well, I don't smoke. And he pulled out a cigar and said, well, go get me one, boy. I just went, well, you know, this isn't making the makings of, you know, what's going to be a long, successful type of relationship here. So... So, you know, and, and that wasn't all of it, but that probably would have been enough at that time in my life. But, it, but anyway, so there was more. And, uh, and so uh, we just didn't, you know, it, it was one of those things where this wasn't going to work out. Well, I called the guy who was charged of the deal, and he's living in Dayton, Ohio. It was probably 1 o'clock in the morning. The deal was supposed to close the next day. And uh, I just told him that I'd be leaving and wanted to give him my notice. And he said, oh, you can't do that because the, the way we've got this thing structured is that you, you have to be there at least to have some transition that takes place and then you work out your own deal and stuff. But, you know, I've guaranteed him that you're going to be there. I said, well, gee, that was really nice of you because you haven't talked to me about it. And he said, well, I just figured with the incentives and stuff that we're offering that it was a given that you'd be there. And I said, well, I'm not going to be. He goes, well, you're going to lose all your money. And it was a lot. For me, it was a lot. Like for some of you high rollers, probably nothing, but see... <laughs> You know, for me, it was a lot. And that's all that counts, because I was the only one in that situation, so I don't care what if you thought of it. But <laughs> at the time, it was a lot. And uh, it's still a lot today. It's even more today than it was then. <laughs> but uh, so he said, well, you're going to lose all your incentives. And I said, well, I'm sorry. But see, and for two years, I had known the guy. For two years, I'd been sharing my testimony with him. And two years, I had tried to maintain an, integ an integrity and a standard and I had opportunity to share with him and have dinner with him and spend time with he and his wife. And so it was kind of like, geez, you know. And it was the ultimate test. And uh, that next morning, the, the guy who's going to buy drives in and says, well, I just got some disturbing news. Well, apparently, he stayed up to like 4 in the morning before he finally called the guy here on the West Coast trying to figure out some way to finagle this thing and couldn't do it. So the guy drove and said, I guess we got some bad news. I said, well, not for me. <laughs> but, uh, but I didn't say that. I said, well, you know, I'm really sorry. And, uh, and he said, well, you know, as a result, uh, this, you know, we've decided not to, uh, to do the deal. So, well got to do what you got to do. And uh, anyway, uh, through that, in that whole process, um, God took a situation, and I'm sure many of you have gone through the same type of thing, but he takes situations in our life and he develops and instills within us the importance of integrity, the importance of honesty, the importance of being truthful. And you know, I, and I really believe this uh, with all my heart that convictions aren't really ours until we pay the price to possess them. See, it's easy to have a conviction that you haven't paid the price to own. Because you don't really know it's yours yet. But see, that's the way it is with honesty. That's the way it is with being committed to the truth. And you know that you are when you get to the point where it's going to cost you something. And I'll guarantee you as we go through this, that to be honest, to be truthful, there's always a price to pay. There's always a price to pay. God says we lie because we lack faithfulness. And faithfulness to the truth or the standard that God holds. And that is to be honest and truthful in everything that we do. The reason you and I lie is because we lack faithfulness in upholding that standard.
But there's another reason. I think this insight is going to be, you know, the thing I was thinking about, I, you know, I, I, sometimes I, you know, my mind is a scary thing. But I was thinking this, this lack of faithfulness thing, you know, it's kind of like, you remember the old Dragnet series? Remember Joe Friday? What did he always say? And he always said at 90 miles an hour, everything he did, but he said, uh, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. You know, it was always ma'am too, by the way. I don't know what that had to do with anything. <laughs> Can you tell me what you saw? Well, it all started when I was born and raised in South Carolina. It all started there, and it's like, can we get back to, you know, now? <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Oh, okay, if you ever sat through one of those stories, you know how that is. Um, sometimes you want to do, do that. Do, you got to do that to your wife sometime. That'll get you in a lot of hot water. Just say, uh, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the facts. Oh, good. All right, anyway. Oh, here, there's some interesting insight, too, into the problem of lying. And that is, the Bible teaches that at the root of our problem many times is hatred. Isn't that interesting? The reason we lie is because we hate another person. After we go through all the gymnastics of coming up with reasons why we're going to lie to them, how this is going to protect them, how this is, you know, we really love them, and all those kind of things. You go through all that mental gymnastics about how you want to do that. The bottom line of what the Bible teaches is that we just flat out hate the person that we're lying to. Let me, let me just read you Proverbs 26, 24. We read this. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. According to the Bible, the cause of much of our lying is centered in hatred. We really hate another person. We hate the other person. And you know what? It's really fascinating because it's easy to see how that's true. Take, take, a, take a, um, a man and woman that for some reason they've built up resentment toward one another. One's built up resentment toward the other, whatever it is. And, and you begin to hate that person in your heart. And as a result, because of that hatred and because of what you know about that other person or because they don't respond to you the way that they should or because they've done things to hurt you in the past, whatever it is, you build up this resentment and this hatred. So what happens is you begin to justify why you're about to do the things that you're going to do. People that get into, into adulterous situations, they justify it. And they begin to justify why they're going to do what they're going to do. And the reason is because in their heart they hate their spouse because she or he hasn't responded the way that they think that they should. And you build up this resentment and hatred. So now you do what you're going to do. But to cover all of that, you can't tell them that you hate them. You can't tell them that you're angry with them. So you go and you do what you do, and then you begin to cover everything you do with a series of lies and deceit. And it's easy to understand that really the root problem is hatred. You hate the other person for what they've done. In a work situation, you take an employee who begins to build up a resentment or hatred toward his or her employer. And you begin to do things that are wrong before the Lord and also wrong you know, uh, before the law. And you begin to lie and uh, deceive and begin to maybe even steal or embezzle or just steal time and don't put the effort in or, or, you know, or the problems that we talked about in laziness. You don't give it your best. And the reason or the root problem according to the Bible is that you hate that person for one reason or the other. It's fascinating to me the insight that God can give us as to the problems in our life. The same thing with our children. They begin to, to have a resentment toward authority, whether it's to us or whether it's toward others. 
and they build up a hatred in their hearts. And so therefore, as a result, they begin to lie and deceive and cover up the things that they're doing, uh, all in a, in, a, in a rebellious means of trying to get back at us for what we've done. See, God sees it just the way that it is. Really, the root problem is hatred. Many of us are lying to one another because we hate the other person for whatever reason that we generate in our own life. And we've never dealt with that hatred. We haven't dealt with that resentment. We haven't dealt with that root of bitterness. And so to cover this, we continue to lie to one another. The Bible has much insight to offer in these areas. Proverbs 26, 25 through 28. When he speaks kindly, don't believe him. Speaking of a liar. When he speaks kindly, don't believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the whole congregation. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. The result of hatred in our heart is oftentimes lying and deceitfulness. Some of us are living a lie because we have hatred that we haven't dealt with in our heart towards someone else. It's interesting, he says, you know what, when a lying person compliments you, you can't even believe them. You know, people that blow smoke at you, they tell you what you want to hear to your face, but in their heart they don't feel the way that they're sharing with you. They don't feel that at all. That's why Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things and wicked above anything else. It's desperately sick. And who can know it? Only God. Sometimes we don't even know what our problem is. It's so deep uh, embedded within our heart that God says, and only God can really show us what our problem is. He's the only one that can show us that really there's hatred. And he does it by using his word to help us to see things that we haven't seen before. As I'm studying this and looking at this, I begin to realize something I never realized before. How true that really is. That oftentimes hatred is at the root of the reason that we lie to one another. And you can't believe one another. And it's so deceptive and it's so uh, confusing that we don't even know it. See, can you imagine in the danger of all of that? And that's the importance of accountability in our life. The importance of, of being able to or uphold an objective standard because the person who's guilty of lying oftentimes doesn't even recognize the depth at which they're struggling. They don't recognize even what's going on in their heart, but we around that person can share with them, hey, look, this is what's going on. This is what we see. This is what we heard you say. And, and we've all, we all heard that. Everyone here, this confirmed, we heard that. But the person who is deceived by all of that can look at everybody and say, I don't have a problem. You all have the problem. That's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Or you didn't understand it right. You didn't hear it right. Well, then we all heard it wrong. Because we all, you know, we all heard what you said. We're all thinking the same thing. You got a problem and we want to help you with it. And can you imagine somebody who's a dynamic personality uh, that could take what they've done and be able to justify it in any way that they can and by the time they're done with a bunch of people sitting in a room, everybody in there thinks they're all nuts and the person that's given the argument thinks that they know what they're talking about. You're all nuts. And if you, you know, articulate and you're charismatic and you've got a great personality, you can sit down with all your friends and you can convince them that everything that you say, you didn't say and they didn't hear. And by the time you're done, if you're good at it, you can have them apologizing to you before they leave. And the reason for it is that we're so messed up that only God knows what's going on in our heart. And that's why you've got to just say, hey, you know what? I don't know. All I can tell you is this. All I can see is the obvious. And all I heard is what you said. And all we can look at is the evidence and the facts. So what you believe in your heart isn't really the issue here because we already know the heart is all messed up and God said it. 
It's deceitful, wicked above everything else, and you can believe whatever you want to believe, but the objective evidence is there. That's why they have these, you know, encounter groups. That's why when somebody's got a problem with drug or alcohol, they sit them down and they say, this is what's going on. And the person in the middle says, no way. And they're like, yes, sir. No way. You're all nuts. No, you got the problem. See, that's what really we're talking about here. And lying's the same way. And the, and the interesting thing to me is, it takes time and consistent discipline and commitment to being truthful to overcome a life of deceit. Because such bad habits are, are born and nurtured over a long period of time. And though what we'll see is we can, we can be committed to stop it today, it's only going to be the test of time that demonstrates whether or not that's really taken place in our life. And many people who struggle with any problem that you can think of, they want to be forgiven today and pretend like there's no deep-seated problem that goes along with it. And all we do is open ourselves up for the same problem. You know, oh, honey, forgive me for, you know, messing around. Forgive me for having an affair. I, I'm not going to do it anymore. Hey, you know what? I, I, hope that you're, I hope you're serious. And I hope that what you say is true. But you're going to have to demonstrate faithfulness over a long period of time before I start to buy into it. You see what the problem is with sin? While God can forgive us in a moment of time, the consequences continue to extend on. While God can forgive us in a moment of time, a life that, that begins to demonstrate that we really do believe what we say we believe and we really want to do what we say we want to do, it takes time and consistency and discipline to continue to demonstrate it. I want to be committed to the truth. Good. It's going to take time to find out if you really do want to be committed to the truth. It's going to take obstacles that you're going to have to overcome. It's going to take testing by the part of God in your, in your path to see if you really are committed to the truth. And then you're going to have to pay a price so you can possess that conviction that you say that you have. And when you pay that price, then we can believe what you say. That's it. Why do we lie? Here's an interesting point. We lie because we're afraid of other people. That's just simple, man. I mean, this is like, you know, no-brainer. This is a no-brainer 101 class or whatever. I mean, this is like, you know... You know, you know, dot to dot class. I don't know. This is this is this is simple. Think about it. Why, why, when you ask your kids how they did on their test, they always ace it. How'd you do on the test? Oh man, I aced it. Well, when are we gonna find out for sure? Well, the good news is they're thinking I got some time, and this weekend is gonna be a good time because I don't have to deal with it. You know, what are you gonna say? Well, I'm not real sure. Well, you don't want to plant that kind of seed in the old mom and dad's mind. Man, I aced it. Then the report card comes, man, have they changed the grading structure? <laughs> I know, I mean, I know things aren't worth what they used to be worth, but now is an A only a C here? What's the, what, what are we talking about here? Man, well, I thought I did. Well, I mean, see, we can see that's so simple. Why do we, why, why do we lie? Well, to cover our butt. You know, it's as simple as it gets. I don't care. Old butt, young butt, doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> butt's a butt. You know? And, 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 you know, and you try to cover it. You know, and you try to cover it. And we're certainly glad that some of you do. But, you know, you've got to cover it because you're going to have to experience the consequences at that immediate time. Right? So what do you do? You've got to, you got to, you know, what we think is we've got to lie. Why? Because we're afraid to tell the truth. Because we're afraid of the response of the other person. We're afraid of the consequences that are going to come with it. We begin to ask ourselves, hey, you know what? Hey, what will they think if they knew the truth? Will they still be my friends? Will I still be part of the group or the club or the in crowd? Will I still have access to all these benefits? Will I lose my job? Will I get grounded? Will I get spanked? Will he or she still want to go out with me? Will they want to marry me? Will I get the job? Will they think I don't know how to run a business? 
Will they think less of me? Uh, will I still have their approval? I mean, I sat down and you start thinking of all the questions why people lie. And all of it has to do with their afraid. We're afraid of the other person's response. What's the point of all of it? What's the point of asking ourselves that? Very interesting. I mean, it's simple. God says this. When we begin to fear the response of other people more than we fear God, trouble is always around the corner. When we're more concerned about what people think of our lives than we are about what God thinks of our lives, we're all in deep trouble. Isaiah 57, 11, he says, And of whom have you been afraid or feared? That you have lied and not remembered me. He was saying to his people, Why? I mean, who are you afraid of? What could have happened that you lied to me? Are you crazy? In, in the upcoming session, we'll talk about fear, and it's going to be a great study just on, hey, you know, what should we fear, what shouldn't we fear? And it's a wonderful understanding of God's perspective of fear. But the bottom line is, what are you afraid of? If you're afraid of the response of other people, I'll guarantee you that you're putting yourself in the position to be a liar because you're too concerned about what they think. And my encouragement to myself and to you is very simply this. If you are more concerned about what God thinks of your life if that is your primary consideration for everything that you do and everything that you say, if, if you are more concerned about what does God think about this of my life, then you know what the wonderful thing is? You don't have to care about what other people think. You talk about freeing you up. Man, if, I can, you know, if my kids would understand that uh, as they grow into adulthood and realize that, you know what, there's only one person that we are committed to please in our life. And that is if we live to please the Lord, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If we're committed to please Him and to serve Him and to do what's right by Him, then guess what? I don't really care what anybody else thinks. If, if you benefit from it, that's great. And there's a lot of benefits that take place in society when we live to please God. We're at peace with one another. We could be the best employer that any employer that is out there or employee that anybody's ever had. There are a lot of benefits to doing what's right before God and mankind benefits from it. If you're a single person that's dating and you live to please God, you'll never take advantage of that other person. You won't hurt them in any way physically that God says is wrong. I mean, there's some wonderful advantages of doing what's right before God. And the reality of all of it is, very simple people, is that when you live to please God, it doesn't matter whether you're pleasing people or not. Because the people that will be pleased are people that are living to please God too and understand it. And the people that won't be pleased are people that want to jerk, jerk you around, use you, manipulate you, and try to get their own agenda accomplished by using you to do it. And just like the guy sitting in Ohio, you know what? He didn't care that I wanted to live to please God. Because at this particular case, it presented a problem for him that he had to somehow overcome. But you know what? I, it was his problem. It wasn't my problem. Because my problem would have been doing anything that wasn't right before God. Now, he could have been happy with me compromising my position. He would have been real happy with that. And he tried to encourage me to do it. But the problem is God wouldn't have been happy with it. And I wouldn't have been able to live with myself either. See, it works that way. Are you afraid of other people? Why do we lie? Well, because the devil himself causes us in many ways by influencing us to lie. Uh, there's lack of faithfulness on our part, to the truth of just maintaining the objective standard of truth because there's hatred in our heart. Because there's really some deeper-seated problems than we really first understood when we started to lie to other people. We lie because we don't want to confront. We lie because we don't want to deal with certain issues. We lie because we don't like all that goes along with it, so we just blow smoke at one another and we just get by so we don't have to deal with things. Uh, we do all of that. And we lie because we fear other people. We're more concerned about what one another thinks than we are about what God thinks. And when we do that, we're all in deep trouble. And the last thing, and uh, we're going to have to close on this one, is that we lie because it's part of our old sin nature. 
And uh, I, want, I want to end on this. I want you to see this because in Colossians 3, 9, and 10, it gives us some tremendous insight and, into the problem of lying. And it's very, very helpful in trying to he- help us to identify, number one, what kind of problem that we have, the severity of the problem, and what we can do about it. And this, to me, is fascinating. And you know what's so funny is, you know, many of us, we get to the point of, it's just not that easy. You know, it's just not this easy. And here's what I mean. Proverbs 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Colossians 3, look at verse 9. God says, do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And you have put on the new self who is being renewed to true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Do not lie to one another. Actually, it's a negative, it's dramatical, and what it means in English is very simply this. Stop doing it. That's what it means. Stop doing it. Do not lie to one another. God says, you're lying? Stop doing it. It assumes it's our natural tendency to lie. It assumes it's our natural tendency to want to defer to a later date the consequences that we're going to experience for something that's going on in our life. It, 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 it infers it's our natural tendency to want to cover our bases. It, it infers it's our natural tendency uh, to, to want to get out of a jam immediately by coming up with the quickest way to do it. See, God knows our heart. He knows what, what makes us tick. He knows what our problems are. And he says this, listen, if you're lying, stop doing it. Because the natural tendency of sin nature is to get off the hook as quick as possible, not realizing that the consequences are still to come. Is a payday someday? It's going to happen. We'll talk about that next time with the consequences. But the point is very simply this, that lying is characteristic of the old man, the Bible says. It says, do not, do not lie to one another. Put on the new self. The old self is very simply this, and we'll wrap it all up. If you have come to a point in your life where you have asked God to forgive you of your sins, that you've invited Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, believing that He was God in human flesh, who lived on this earth, who lived a perfect life, who went to the cross, who died on the cross, shed His blood for your sin and the sins of the world, that three days later He rose from the dead to prove that He was God. If you have asked Him to come into your life as Lord and Savior, believing that to be true, then the Bible says at that point that you are a new creature. Instantaneously, you become a new creature in the sight of God. That you become, you go from being a child of the devil, who is the father of all lies, and a murderer from the beginning, to a child of God. And it's impossible for Him to lie. You put on a whole new nature. You become new. Now, we see one another, and we still see the old, crusty old outside. So we don't really know what's going on in someone's heart. We don't know what God's doing in their life. But then we begin to show demonstration that there's something different in our life. By the way we talk, by the way we act, by the things we do, by the way we think. All of a sudden things become new and uh, everything's different. When that takes place, when that transformation has taken place and it's a gift of God, it's based on nothing else but believing what He said, not on anything that we do, you can't become a Christian by stop lying. It's impossible. You lie because you're a liar. You sin because you're a sinner. That's your nature. You can't do it any other way. You only have to do it God's way just by believing what He says, okay? When that happens in your life, the Bible says that now lying becomes a choice and not a characteristic of who we are. You follow me? 
If you are a believer, if you are a Christian by God's definition, then the only reason that you and I lie is because we choose to do it. Now, understanding this, you can see how God can say, stop choosing to lie. Because He has given us a new nature. He has defeated Satan on the cross. He has given us a new nature that gives us the ability now to live a life that's pleasing to God. Because God has done all of it, all that He asks us to do is to choose to go along with what He's already done. This will free you up, man. This is a wonderful truth. It means this to me. Chuck, you can stop lying today if you choose to stop lying today. Because I've defeated Satan. I've defeated sin in your life. I've given you a new nature. I've given you hope. I've given you my Holy Spirit within your life to convict you when this way you know when you're about to tell a lie that you're telling a lie. And you know that you're about to tell a lie. And my Spirit will tell you not to do it. So you have a choice at that point to either deny what I'm saying to you or to continue to do what you choose to do. The wonderful thing about this truth is, is the Bible says that we lie because of the old sin nature. Now, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, you're going to continue to lie because it's the most natural thing in the world to do because that's part of who you are. And the only way you can be freed from that is by asking Jesus Christ into your life and to forgive you of your sin and to make you a new person and start from scratch from that point on. Now, if you've already done that, then let me just challenge you to consider the truth of the Word of God. And that is, the only reason you lie is because you choose to continue to do it. And you're making a wrong choice. And you need to choose to do what's right. And what the Bible says is this. You liar, stop lying. Stop doing it. You have no excuse. If you're a child of God, you have no excuse to lie. You do it because you want to do it. And that way... You are held accountable for God for the choice that you make. Good stuff, huh? Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity uh, to look into your word. I just thank you personally that you have given me a new nature, that you have defeated Satan, that you have defeated sin in my life, that you give me the strength and the power through your Holy Spirit to live a life that's pleasing to you. And I just want to thank you because you did all of that. And God, you also promised that you give us a way to escape temptation. That you even give us a way out. When we're tempted or influenced by our enemy to lie, you tell us that you give us a way to get out of that. And God, I mean, what else can we ask of you? You do it all. God, I just pray that I will always have the strength and the courage in my life to be a man of conviction as far as honesty is concerned to be truthful no matter what the cost, knowing that the only one that I'm to please in my life is you. God, I just thank you that because of Jesus, that you make it possible to live a life that is a life of truthfulness, of honesty, and integrity. God, I pray that each one of us that have come to know you will make the right choice and choose to stop lying. God, help us to do that even as we leave here this morning. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.